Hello, I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster. This is Giz Dad's podcast number 598 for Sunday, August 18th, 2019. And tonight, I'm recording in the Man Cave with Dave Adam. Howdy, howdy. Chris Papchek. Hey, y'all. And panel show newbie, Mark Wysocki. Hello. You may remember Mark. He was one of our early dad show participants. Happy to have him back on the show, this time sitting in on a panel. And, you know, since we've been back, uh, we've been focused on getting caught up with what's been going on in the Disney parks. But we're recording this just after uh, San Diego Comic-Con wrapped up this past weekend. And we figured this was a good time to take a look ahead at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and see just what's going to be coming up here in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Before we dive into that, though, I need to thank our podcast sponsor, Mouse Master Travel. Mouse Master Travel is an authorized Disney vacation planner, and Mouse Master agents would love to take care of the stressful parts of vacation planning so that you can focus on the fun. You can check them out at mousemastertravel.com. We'll get to the coming happenings in the MCU in just a moment, but first, my favorite segment, Don Donfress's This Week in Disney History. Hi, Disney Ohana. This is Don Donfress with your favorite segment, This Week in Disney History. Today, for the week of August 18th, on August 20th, 2017, Disneyland's Main Street Electrical Parade runs for the last time. On August 21st, 1995, the People Mover in Disneyland closes. Running since 1967, guests could get a Grand Circle Tour above Tomorrowland. It would get replaced by Rocket Rods on May 22, 1998. On August 22, 1920, Ray Bradbury is born in Waukegan, Illinois. A science fiction, fantasy, and horror writer, Ray Bradbury consulted Imagineers on the building of Spaceship Earth. On August 23, 2004, Marceline, Missouri honors the memory of Walt Disney with a ceremony renaming the Marceline Post Office the Walt Disney Post Office. And on August 24, 1916, voice artist Al Smith was born. His credits include Felipe the Horse and Beauty and the Beast, Owl and Winnie the Pooh, St. Peter and Darkwing Duck, and Goofy in many TV cartoons. He also played Otis Campbell on The Andy Griffin Show. Well, that's all for this week. Till next time, this is Don Donfers with This Week in Disney History. Thanks, Don. We always learn something new from your segment. So, the big news out of Comic-Con was the announcement of, of essentially three years worth of movie release dates, plus some more movies confirmed to be in the works without dates, but with, a little, with at least bits and pieces of information about them. And quite a bit of news about new things, new content coming to the Disney Plus streaming service that is set to launch uh, supposedly in late fall. I think most speculation is November. So I guess what I'll start with is, oh, and and I should say, just a general warning here. Um, We're going to be talking about speculation looking forward at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think it's possible for us to have this discussion without spoilery content cropping up. So I'm going to start by apologizing to Dave, who is one film behind 
Um, sorry, buddy. Hey, I'm the guy that always reads ahead anyway. Okay. So I'm totally okay with that. Good. If you're, you're not like Dave, if spoilers really upset you, set this one aside, catch up in the MCU, then come back and, and listen to the episode. Uh, Cause I don't want to ruin anything for you. Make it, you know, disappointing. But I think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, and a lot of this is going to be speculation anyway, but I think we may end up getting into some spoiler content just to set up our anticipation of what might come next. So along those lines, I want to start with just some overall impressions. Um, I haven't even talked through all of the stuff that was announced at at Comic-Con, but even before we get into that, I'm curious about overall impressions because I think there's some pretty diverse overall impressions of that panel and, and what we've got coming from the MCU. So I'm going to throw it to Chris first, who's our West Coast participant. And, uh, you know, Chris, having seen all the stuff that came out from San Diego Comic-Con, how are you feeling about MCU going forward? First impression? I'm going to have to, I was shocked because I think we went in with all of these rumors for so long and keeping up with everyone's speculation and then finally getting an official announcement. Uh, we, we only knew probably one or two things that were guaranteed, but not necessarily even for sure. Um, I think we're all finally excited to see a Black Widow movie. Uh, we have to wait nine months for it, but... Because it's been so long where we haven't had to wait more than just a couple of months um, for the, the next big installment for, for a Marvel film. These these past few years, we get at least two, if not three, releases a year. Right. And so now for this whole new phase where we've pretty much come to an end of an era for us, uh, now you've got... Um, something completely new and with no Avengers uh, in sight uh, for. Right. Right. And I I think we'll come back around to this, but I think that the biggest maybe shocker of this, this panel was that despite some rumor kind of leading into Comic-Con about both what Avengers, uh, what I guess this would be Avengers four might look like and rumors of, a young Avengers film being in the works, we got no reference whatsoever to the next installment of, you know, an Avengers team project. Uh, so that I think was interesting. Uh, Mark, how about you? What was your overall impression of the news from San Diego Comic-Con? I, I'm really looking forward to the Black Widow. I was watching a short on it the other day and it was pretty cool. Um, I've read a lot of the news more than watched the videos. And uh, I mean, my wife is mentioning the whole game coming back and forth, which could be interesting if they don't bomb it. Because the, the Lady Thor arc could be interesting. I'm thinking. Yeah. And as, as Taiki, Taika Waititi uh, reminded everybody on Twitter yesterday, um, the, that would not be uh, female Thor or Lady Thor. Her proper name is Mighty Thor. Oh, okay. As she's referred to in the comics. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it would definitely uh, be, be good. I mean, like, uh, I'm really looking forward to what's going to come out on the streaming service because some of those shows look like they could be good. 
I'm not sure if I like the WandaVision name, but um, for a TV show, but it could be interesting where they go with it. Right. So um, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more too, but I'm glad you mentioned it because a, a lot of the most exciting stuff that came up at Comic-Con, I think, was uh, the discussions of, of, you know, what was coming to the Disney Plus streaming service and maybe even more so the amount of attention they devoted to the fact that they fully intend for these Disney Plus streaming shows to be fully integrated into the MCU. They're not intended to be separate one-off for the most part. Um, if they are, they'll be clear about them being one-offs. I mean, I don't think anybody's pretending that the What If animated series, right, is blended in with the MCU, but most of the other content is. Um, well, Dave, um, what's your take on, in general, the news? I'm not a fan. I'm a huge phase one, two, and three fan. Like I am midnight release. Go see every Marvel movie that comes out. I'm a, I was a huge comic comic nerd growing up, but I have known nothing of the Eternals. If we're going to do a, a prequel sort of black widow, I don't want to see while she's already the black widow. I want to see when she's in Romania, I don't want to see when she's in between civil war and infinity war. I want to see why she becomes a black widow widow. I don't really care about the in-betweens and, and I, I know she's mighty Thor, but Natalie Portman is not she Thor. I, I can't wrap my head around. We go from muscled up Chris Hemsworth to little size of my pinky, Natalie Portman. And, and in my mind, she's Queen Amidala anyway. Yeah. So I, 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 it's going to be hard for me to to tear those two apart. Well, yeah, but um, but remember that 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 also means that you know Captain America is Johnny Storm. So well, he, he okay, good point. <laughs> thank, thank you for for stealing my thunder, Aaron. Um, but so here here's my big take. If you want to draw people in, you already have. I understand why they didn't do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 yet because the the uh the director had some conflict and couldn't do anything about it and talk about it. But the only way you're going to get people excited with Guardians 3 after Endgame is as Guardians of the Galaxy. If Thor is not part of this group in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I don't want it. Well, we'll, we'll get there. Let's let's take these things one at a time. We'll take okay. these things Sorry, one at a time. I, so let's let's the, the, Go ahead. I had one other thing yeah, real yeah. quick. Uh, I I was talking with Chris earlier today through through Messenger. And while it's cool to see this Disney Plus integrated with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're all grown adults with with children who will be basically monopolizing Disney Plus watching the princess movies. When am I going to have time to sit down and watch, you know, WandaVision, the What If or Hawkeye? Uh, to me, if you're if you want me to to be able to watch one of your Marvel shows, put it on a big screen because it's going to be easier for me to go out and say, hey, I'm going out with my buddies. We're going to go watch a movie as opposed to, hey, can I steal Frozen 3 from you while I watch Marvel? Because I don't know. It's almost like they're trying to, to push Disney Plus to the parents and not what real Disney Plus is going to be about is – all the vault will be on Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, now, see, I I think that the issue here is that that, and and I'm going to say this in general because I think that this is is important from from my perspective and sort of what I got overall out of these panels. Um, I think that that 
there is a method to the madness, first of all. And there are some things here I'm disappointed in as well, and I'll get to them in a second. But um, there is a method to the madness here. And I think that it's it's a mistake to assume that Disney Plus is just about the vault or just about the kids. Um, I don't I don't think I, th- I think that that's a misunderstanding of what Disney is going for here. Um, I think Disney is looking at this and saying, look, we have the largest, best, most valuable catalog of material on the planet, and the most talented people already working with us to make new content. If we keep putting it on the big screen, we have to fight with ourselves because the economics of big screen releases are such that – we have to give these movies their own uninterrupted run, you know, and basically if they don't make a billion dollars, our stock price takes a hit. So, you know, we can't just double the output of our movies because we'll cannibalize ourselves. So how do we sure. leverage both our really valuable vault of existing titles and continue to develop talent? Because if you look, you know, you can trace the the sort of career arc of directors who got their first shot to do big-time films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, they've done a great job of reaching out to folks who have done maybe one or two other movies and then given them their first chance to do a real big film with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, you know, they give those folks a home on, on Disney+. Plus, and it's a steady stream of income that they make every month, regardless of whether somebody leaves the house to go to a movie theater. But when they make something worthy of a big screen, then, you know, they still c- capture those dollars, but they're getting you at home too. And what they're hoping you'll do is you'll spend whatever the $7 with them instead of 14 with Netflix. That's true. I, I will say this. Uh, the only reason I will have Netflix, it's when Stranger Things four comes out for <laughs> after Disney Plus comes out. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it will. I'm hoping it comes out better than DC did with DC Universe, and because they kind of bombed that. Well, again, Disney has the advantage of a massive and already known quantity valuable catalog of of content. Yeah, You know, let alone already announced series that, you know, Disney fans everywhere and Marvel fans everywhere and Star Wars fans everywhere are chomping <laughs> at the bit to see. Right. Yeah, that's true. You never know because the Mandalorian takes off. They could throw it to the big screen. They could, but I mean, you know, I, I think part of the, what they've learned from, from Avengers is – that there's some content that just is better suited to serial release, right? I mean, if you think about it, a series like, like let's take Stranger Things, for example, right? Stranger Things was, mm-hmm. what, eight episodes, Dave, this last one? Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. So if you think it about is. it, Stranger Things was not a what we t- typically think of as a TV series. It was an eight-hour movie. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. And you can do that when you're doing home streaming because people will take bathroom breaks when they want, when they need to. They'll, you know, stop when in, when they've had enough and they need to think about what they've seen and digest it a little bit and come back to it. But 
it's it's episodic storytelling with with its eye clearly focused on the big arc. And, you know, I think the impression I get is that that's really what they're shooting for with Mandalorian is, and I, we're getting way far afield here, but but it's <laughs> the right. same it's the same concept, right? It's it's a, a much bigger story arc, an epic story that they're telling in half hour, one hour chunks with cinematic level production quality. Yeah. Plus That's true. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there hoping they revive the, the Marvel, the, 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 the um, Defenders and all that stuff that Netflix dropped. Yeah, unfortunately, my understanding is the way the contracts work, that can't happen for at right. least, at least, I believe it's three years after yeah, the last episode airs on Netflix. So but still, it, it will be a while. Yeah. So we have two years for Punisher. No, they, Punisher still has one more series, right? Punisher has one more season. Jessica Jones just wrapped their last season. Right. So and you, then that's it. There isn't anything else coming out after Punisher. So yeah, yeah. Daredevil could what? do it in two years, probably. Right. I mean, there are questions yeah. about it. Like, you know, people are asking, well, does Luke Cage have to wait three years from that cameo in Jessica Jones season three? Or does he have to wait three years from the end of the Luke Cage series? We don't know the answer to that. Right. That's a good question. Uh, so that that you know, and that tax uh, almost a full year longer onto his time off if he has to wait till after his appearance in Des- Jessica Jones. You know, three years beyond right. that. All right. Well, let's let's get into the content that we know. What we know is coming from Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first thing that we're going to see uh, from the the new phase to the extent it is a phase, we can get into this issue too, but the, mm-hmm. the new phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the the Black Widow film that Dave referenced earlier. Um, it's slated to come out May 1st, 2020, and um, early reports were that it was a prequel. It looks like it's not really a prequel, it's just out of sequence. Um, and there may be some flashback content that is more like a prequel, but the bulk of this film, they've told us now, uh, takes place between Civil War and Infinity War, and it is supposed to help us sort of fill in the gap between that that scene basically in the airport, right, where yep. Black Widow appears to be, you know play double agent again, and then kind of disappear. And so this is supposed to answer the question: Well, what was she doing in between there? Um, yeah. So, Dave, we've already heard that you're not so fond of this concept, <laughs> that you wanted no. a true origin story for Black Widow. Yeah, I want a true origin story because we never really got an origin. She's the only Avenger that we really don't know what motivates her. Because, you know, Hawkeye, we know his family motivated him. Iron Man, his ego motivated him. Captain America, his love for America motivated him. Black Widow, we never know anything. The only thing we know is that she was cute in Iron Man 2 and and, oh, and Iron Dave, Man wanted one. No, no. She tells <laughs> you exactly what motivates her more than once. Yeah. Yes, but fine. Tell me. But I need to see a backstory. I need to understand 
by seeing what motivates her. Okay. How you did she get all the some... red in the ledger? There you go. Yeah, you can tell me all you want, but I want to see the actual footage of what's happened. All right, so so Chris, I think it was you who piped up with saying, you know, you you remembered that the reference to Red in the Ledger. So what what do you think about this? Do you do you feel like you needed to see why it is she feels like there's so much Red in the Ledger she needs to make up for, or is this a story that you think can be compelling? Well, <clears throat> out of all the references between her and Hawkeye throughout the films, there's only one thing I really want to see, and I know we're getting it, so I can't wait to see what happens in Budapest. Yeah. Um, with so many references back to that, and it takes place before the first Avengers film, um, it's definitely something early on in her career as, um, I'm assuming, working with S.H.I.E.L.D. because Hawkeye was there. So See, it's either it's something they did on their- I'm not convinced that's true. I, I think that that may be the last time that they were on the opposite sides. Quite possibly. And and then we're going to get to find out. Right. Um, Are we, I, though? I, because that's not the, the Civil War and Infinity War time frame. Yeah, no, but, no but, I, but I don't we, think we, they're going to know They've the, said they're going to deal with Budapest. And I, I expect that we're still going to have chunks of this film that are that are in flashback that go farther back. Because I believe we have at least a strong indication that there's some casting news about somebody cast as a young Natasha. Oh. I mean, so, we've already seen one flashback with her, with the training and, you know, kind of like yeah. the Bourne where she had, <laughs> I mean, which film was that? Was that Avengers or? That was, oh yeah, because that was when she was at the farmhouse and. Uh, it was Civil War. They I started think. the, 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 the yeah, Bruce Banner, um, Natasha love arc right. beginning. When she yeah. was in the bathroom, and he came in after she got out of the shower, or vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, I think the most interesting bit of news that came out of the announcement, um, and really it kind of was clarified in follow-up, but um, is that the villain for that film is going to be Taskmaster which I think is a lot of fun. I, Taskmaster is a really interesting villain, and he's one that I think is going to be you know, fresh and new and different for MCU fans because we haven't seen anybody like him. Um, he kind of harkens in some ways back almost to a Red Skull in that he's, he's his own master. Um, and and I, I'm interested in it, and, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't get – I think there's a tendency when there's a – a female lead superhero that has tendency to try and match her with a female villain. And I'm glad they didn't. Right. I'm glad they, they've gone away from the easy trope. Yeah. Although uh, uh, one with the matchup with the other black widow, the impersonator one, uh, I don't remember what her name was from the comics, but would have been interesting, but that would have been a big backstory movie too. Right. Right. And, and I believe we may still get some references to it, but that's not the primary villain in the film. Yeah. All right. And anybody else have any other thoughts about Black Widow before we kind of move on to the next uh, thing on the agenda here? No, I, I think it'll be one that I'll watch, but one that I won't, you know, like I said, go see the midnight release because we already know how her story ends. Very tragically on a cliff. Okay. So let me ask you, let me poke you with this one though. I'm going to ask you this question. Did you okay. go see Rogue One on opening day? Uh, okay, you got me. Because really, that's what this is, right? 
this is an Did MCU you go see Titanic at all in the theaters? Like, we all knew what was going to happen in that film. <laughs> well, but, but it's not just that. What I'm saying is this is exactly the setup of Rogue One. Uh, it, it'll be interesting, too, because of the time slot. I mean, they're putting it at the, the start of the summer. I mean, that's usually reserved for an Avengers film. And yeah. here you're putting forth, you know, one of the founding members of the Avengers. And that's that's a pretty huge thing to, to have her kick off the summer. That's true. So they've, they've got a lot of confidence in this film where they didn't just kick it back to a, like a February or a March release. Like, like Captain Marvel got a March release. Uh, Black Panther was February. You know, these individual stories, you know, their first films. And I'll, I'll be interested to see if it's going to do even Captain Marvel movies uh, money. Um, I don't, you know, do you think it can make a billion dollars? I, I mean, I think it can. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see what develops with this and how they market it and all of that. I'm also curious. It's going to be interesting to see what other Avengers make appearances. Uh, Obviously we know Hawkeye is going to appear, but we don't know much about anybody else. Um, I I kind of think maybe, you know, it being a black widow film, we probably ought to see Hulk, but I don't know what we will. Well, no, will we get to see a breakout from the cube? Will they include the, all those guys getting broken out of jail after oh, that's Civil true. War? Yeah. See, there's lots or, of room yeah. to, to bring in a lot, of, a lot more and, heroes. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't Hulk on a different – he was on Ragnarok. Right. He was away. The, the question is whether we get to see him in, in flashback and oh, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. they fill in more of their relationship. That's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let that's May 2020. After May 2020, we've got a pretty long break here before the next film. And this one, I'll be honest, this is the one that it could be great. I'm kind of cranky about it. <laughs> November 6, 2020, we get the Eternals. Um, anybody want to try and give a, a bit of a sort of synopsis of who the Eternals are here? Uh, you got I, me. <laughs> I'm at a loss completely for them. I mean, that was one comic I never right. um, okay, read, so, the, so the, I don't know much. So so here's here's the basic idea, right? We already know about the Celestials a little bit. Remember? Because yeah. we, we, we've seen the, you know, when the nowhere. when the Guardians, right? When the Guardians are in nowhere, there's the, the head of the Celestial. And wasn't uh, Star-Lord's dad a Celestial? Right, exactly. So the Celestials are godlike, basically. And the Eternals, if if the Celestials are, are godlike, then the Eternals are sort of angelic, right? They're, they're first-generation sort of hu- superhuman. Um, and, I mean, I guess, you know, we'll see what they do with it. There's some interesting casting, I guess. Um, you know, Salma Hayek is, is Ajak who is, is we're told is essentially the leader of the Eternals. Interesting. Um, Angelina Jolie as Thena. Okay. I mean, she's done action hero before and she pulled it off pretty well. So, okay. But here's the thing that really bothers me about the Eternals more than the fact that, you know, it's the Eternals. What bothers me most about it is that we're primarily getting it because they ruined Inhumans. Exactly. Yeah, with the TV show. I mean, the the two episodes. I mean, they just yeah. they butchered it. <laughs> it really was bad. 
I mean, they could have gone with something more. I mean, hell, they could have even done like a high evolutionary movie. Well, there, there are lots of other things they could have done. I mean, I understood. I understand that they're shooting for something more cosmic, something with a bigger scope. I mean, that's that's the whole idea here. It's why we're going to the Eternals. Um, but but it just seems to me like Inhumans were primed to fill this role, and then they just made such a mess of that miniseries that they ruined it for the big screen. And it's a so think, much better story. Yeah, I think where they ruined Inhumans was putting them in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because once we saw their story in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we never wanted to see much of that backstory because we were told that the Inhumans were horrible people in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, but see, that's just it. That's why I think it was primed to be such a great movie is we would have found out what the real story on the Inhumans are. Right, we would have found out True. in a more organic way that, in a lot of ways, the the Inhumans are are sort of victims in all of this. Yeah, right. um, and, they didn't choose to be that way, right? Uh, and and I don't know. I mean, it, overall, that Inhuman story is such a classic story. Um, you know the the. And they they botched the way they told it, but you could see the story unfold in the miniseries. I mean, the whole beautiful, you know, story there between between Black Bolt and his brother and all of that is is really fantastic, classic, epic storytelling. And they did such a crappy job of telling it that there's no way anybody would go see an an Inhumans movie now. Yeah. Well, you never know. People went and saw the Fantastic Four, and you know they bought <laughs> another one. Ah, oh, maybe. One could hope. But yeah, I think they're looking for another big group movie arc to go with because Guardians of the Galaxy has the potential, but they got delayed, so they got to try to fill the Avengers group dynamic gap, and. Maybe they don't have faith in the X-Men. Well, I mean, that's part of it. The other part is that I think that the idea here is that the Eternals, again, their bigger sort of cosmic story, it helps provide an ongoing bridge between Avengers and Guardians. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've already seen how much of a flop Dark Phoenix did. And everyone was clamoring for this Dark Phoenix storyline. And that was the biggest flop of the year, probably. No one was clamoring for that. They already did it once, and they messed it no, up. No, they did horribly. <laughs> yeah, well, we were hoping that Sony would do better. And The problem with the X-Men franchise is it's kind of like the Spider-Man franchise. They've done so many different versions, and they've twisted any timelines and any story arcs so badly, it's hard for people to have faith in them anymore. Right, and at this point, it's pretty clear that, that you know we're going to get X-Men in the MCU, but it's probably going to be 2024 before they start bringing them back out of retirement. Yeah. yeah. And we could, I could, a, we could, be poss- we could ahead, possibly Chris. see them sooner. We may see cameos here or there sooner. Uh, mentions, uh, especially for a certain film to come out a year later. But we're uh, going to get here in just a 20, second. I, I know. That's I, I'm moving on to the yeah. I, I'll just I'll end I'll end this end it with this. I'm not so sure that I want another X Men because I don't want another Wolverine. Hugh Jackman is Wolverine yeah. to me, 
And if I see another actor playing Wolverine, he, he will never compare to Hugh Jackman. What well, could be cool is if they did like an Alpha Flight and did a young Wolverine. Possible. It's got potential. But I don't know. They're kind of, well, they're kind of like the Eternals. They're not as well known, but they still have potential. Right. That's true. Well, speaking of potential and not well known, um, the next film after the Eternals is one that they pulled out of left field or some other orifice. Um, <laughs> February 12th, 2021, we get Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, and I think that the the announcement that came with this movie that made people more excited than anything else was that the villain in the Shang-Chi movie will be the real Mandarin. Oh, I know. I was so disappointed with Iron Man. So let me ask you this. If we're going to call this the quote-unquote real Mandarin, what are we going to do with Iron Man? Because is that known that he's not the quote-unquote real Mandarin? I mean, to us. Yeah, we had that. Yes, Marvel we know one. that. We know that. Why? But, but are, can we rewrite history? We, we, we They did already with the Marvel one-shot. Yeah, they, they knew something? by the end that he was he was just posing, basically. Okay. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that one, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, he, he was an actor who liked soccer. That's right, that's right, that's right. Trevor Slattery. Yeah, that's the one. Gandhi with an alcohol problem. <laughs> so, Mark, you're excited about the Mandarin. Are you excited to see a Shang-Chi film on the big screen? I don't, you know, in all honesty, I don't even, I know the whole Mandarin story, but I know it more involved with Iron Man than I, I don't even really know who Shang-Chi is. That's, uh, which is kind of funny. I, I was a big comic book geek, but I never really, I always thought the Mandarin was an Iron Man guy. Well, here's the thing. So as soon as I saw that they were, that the title of the film was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I remembered finally why that sounded familiar. That that arc, that story arc, is the basis for one of the Iron Man animated series that was that was done sort of shortly, I think shortly before Disney acquired Marvel. Oh, was that the one where he was a little high school kid? Yeah. Where yeah, Tony's and they a high had school rescue, kid. And they brought War Machine and Rescue in. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Because what was that whole series about? They were, the whole thing was that they were collecting the 10 rings, the 10 power rings. And then, then, then they brought in, um, who's the big dragon from guardians of the galaxy. Well, and this is what I'm saying. They brought in the big dragon who, who in, in some of the comics, right. That's, that's the real form of the Mandarin. Yes. Right. Um, and I now I have to go back and look at it because I even think that the dad character, right, the 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 Chinese dad who was also who was collecting the rings that Tony was chasing after, I think that was I think they he in that in that series he he might have been Shang Chi, huh? Which is wrong, right? He wasn't a hero. Um, no, but it just it struck me like that sounded very familiar. Um, 
Well, so everybody else have any other reactions to 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 really just this whole idea of a uh, you know a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe kung fu movie? I'll tell you, the only way that I'm going to be super excited about this movie is if they announce that John Woo is directing it. Oh, that would be good. If John Woo directs this movie, I will see that the minute it hits theaters. I don't think that'll transfer well for a Marvel film. Do you not? They said this is going to be a Kung Fu movie. like. Mission Impossible 2 is considered one of the worst Mission Impossible movies out of the whole franchise, and that was directed by John Woo. He's got some good films, but when he takes over, when he came into a franchise like that, it didn't didn't work well. Because he's got his own vision, and it doesn't have the same kind of tone. Now, granted, we're coming into something that's unknown territory. And the the big reason we're bringing in uh, Shang-Chi is you got the massive market of China. And you're bringing in loads of money from films over there. So this is an easy win for them. It's going to do the same thing Black Panther did. So you're going to see it make a ton of money on the international market. They've already got a director. Yeah. The director is Destin Daniel Cretton. Oh, who is he? Um, yeah. So uh, he kind of, I'm, I'm reading some notes from uh, uh, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, let's see. He broke out with the 2013 indie favorite short term 12, which starred Brie Larson. Um, and then he worked with her again for 2017's glass castle, uh, and is currently directing Brie Larson and Michael B. Jordan in just mercy. Okay. Um, so he's young. He's only 40. I just looked him up. Yeah. He's, he's young, but he's, he's kind of done a lot of work that's gotten, a lot of attention. Um, so I, I think, you know, the, this to me, that part of it feels right. Like that to me is where Marvel has really shined is giving these directors who maybe had only had one or two other films under their belt, a chance to do something big and special. And they come through yeah. like Derrickson doing, uh, Dr. Strange. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I really think that they've been a great platform for young filmmakers who who they've allowed to really explore something from a different perspective. Okay. So that part, to me at least, makes me somewhat hopeful for it. But um, I don't know. I mean, the hard part, I, I'm going to be interested to see how they sell this, right? I mean, Mark, what's it going to take – to, to sell a Shang-Chi movie to you to get you out to watch it opening weekend? Um, well, like, I want, like, they were saying, you guys were saying, a good martial arts movie with some really great action. Uh, I mean, yeah, Marvel's good with the whole fight scenes, but uh, this has the potential for some really cool fight scenes. And, you know, throw the dragon in. Okay. Uh, I, I want to... I want to see some splash. If they want to introduce somebody that I'm not really familiar with, make it really exciting. Fair enough. All right. Uh, how about you, Chris? What's it going to take to get your attention enough to, to want to head out opening weekend? Because, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is the last time they went to a, a, such an unknown character. And what got people out opening weekend was, you know, obviously they had Chris Pratt as a, a name star, but I think the biggest thing that got people out was 
the the sort of compelling weirdness of Groot and Rocket. Uh, as far as I know, I don't know. I for an opening weekend, I don't even know. It's rare for me to get out opening oh, okay. weekend, and if it's not an Avengers film anymore, <laughs> but. Um, um, usually I like to take advantage of those Tuesday deals, $5 Tuesdays. I mean, that's like the big draw now, um, to, for, to bring the whole family out. Uh, but I mean, to actually see that one in theaters, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to be impressed by the trailer. I mostly, I just, I don't know. Cause it being such a real unknown property to me. Um, no, granted, I, I do recognize the reference of the Ten Rings, and we've gotten that since the, the original Iron Man movie. So if they're going to pull that off, and, and it's kind of interesting, too, that they're finally going to bring in the Mandarin after, well, spoiler, uh, I think we've already said that, after they've killed off Iron Man, right. it being his main villain. Um, I don't know. I, again, I'll just have to see what they right. present us, and then I'll, I'll make my decision then because I don't know anything about it. So, you know, right. get me hyped up for it. Well, how about you, Dave? What what are you going to be looking for in a trailer or in the marketing of this film to motivate you to be, you know, at the theater opening weekend? So what I liked about Guardians, the unknown commodity, is that it didn't take itself too seriously. If they try to give me a serious kung fu movie, then I'm going to be turned off. But I'm going to throw out an obscure 2000 movie that I don't know if any of y'all remember. Romeo Must Die. Oh, I liked that movie. Exactly. If they do a Romeo Must Die type kung fu movie where no one took it seriously, but everyone, like even people who were who it was marketed towards, loved that movie if they do something like that with this movie i'm i am 100 there for it but if it tries to be too serious of a movie i'm out okay um i mean i think the other piece is going to be sort of who they team him up with right because right. you know there's going to be some crossover somewhere and the question is who's that crossover going to be with um you know i was glancing at at in the past, you know, which, which characters has he sort of crossed over with? And there are some interesting, um, crossovers sort of in his comic history. Um, he, he did some hanging out with various heroes for hire, uh, including Iron Fist for obvious reasons, but then also, uh, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. Um, White Tiger is somebody that he, you know, appeared with at times. Um, Let's see. Uh, he's also done uh, some crossover things in the in the Spider-Man universe. Um, so that could be interesting, uh, including in particular um, some of the the sort of side characters. Right, Silk uh, is one that that he had a team up with at least for a while. Um, let's see. Oh, they might bring Amadeus Cho as a Hulk. That could be interesting. Right, right. I'm looking through Wikipedia to see what other things he was in. 
Um, but but the, and and he's also he's interesting in some ways because he's also another character who's been a bridge back and forth with the X Men. Hmm. Um, and had some so connections this, there. This could be the way to get into the X Men. It's a possibility. It could. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how it goes. I, I'm going to be excited to see what they come up with in terms of how to market it because it's going to tell us a lot about how they how they understand the character and and how they are approaching it and you know they must have a, a pretty good feeling for it because there's a long wait between eternals and doctor strange if shang chi you know for some reason isn't coming together and they're going to have to push it back or something right they've got confidence right. that it can do something and and this february slot is the slot that they've used for those lesser known you know give it a chance take a flyer kind of heroes so um all right well let's let's move on and may 7th 2021 we get Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And this one is the one that I think had probably the biggest buzz uh, of all coming out of Comic-Con. Uh, so, Dave, does Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness at least get you excited? This is the one that gets me excited. Because when you put in a horror movie, I'm all there. I, I'm big into Halloween Horror Nights, the Universal stuff. Uh, if, you, if you do a horror movie right for me, I'm all about it. And if you and, and Doctor Strange, I love uh, what's his name? Why did his name escape me all of a sudden? Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Yeah, I love Cumberbatch. Anything he acts in is amazing. And if he does this perfectly, like I know he does, this will be a great movie. This is the one that has me pumped. Here's what doesn't make sense to me about it. it seems to me that this is the film that should be coming in early November, 2020. Yeah. This just doesn't feel like a May release. If they're going to do it as a full fledged horror movie, like they say they're doing it, it, it needs to come out in the fall. I agree. Although if you've noticed early summer, there was a huge wave of horror movies. This yeah, year. I, I did see that. So I wonder if that's going to be a new sort of thing. I guess could be. Uh, I don't know, Chris. What are you looking forward to from Doctor Strange? Uh, well, it's it's going to be great to to follow up because now instead of them just playing around with what they said in Spider Man, there's a multiverse. They've actually just threw it right in the title, so we're really going to dive in deep. I'm hoping into the multiverse. And as I was trying to, I would I was hinting earlier is that that might be our doorway into bringing in the X-Men or Fantastic Four, or at least hinting at it, um, with the addition of um, Scarlet Witch coming into it. So it's, it's all going to get tied in uh, from Disney Plus series uh, to the, the theatrical releases. It's going to be... This one, I think, is going to have the most um, extension or implications of things to, to come and I'm really excited to see what they bring to us. And like I said, too, and, and a, a horror film, um, I'm all in because, I mean, we've all seen that It trailer, and I'm super excited for that oh, here. Coming uh, up, so. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> all right, so, so here's the thing that I think is so interesting. I'm going to go ahead and jump over to the Disney Plus streaming stuff because, as you mentioned, we, we've been told that we're, Scarlet Witch is going to appear in this Doctor Strange film. Now, 
we know a little bit about the the Disney Plus show that is going to be in spring 2021. So it'll be out for a few months before the uh, the Doctor Strange, or maybe a month or so actually before Doctor Strange. Um, or I guess it's theoretically possible because it just says spring 2021. So it could be that it'll come out shortly after Doctor Strange. You know, mid-May is still spring. Um, the series is called WandaVision. What we know so far is that well, it, it's got Scarlet Witch in it. Sounds like a bad 70s TV right? Okay. <laughs> so here's my question for you all, because this is one of those ones that I get excited about, and I may be the only one, but I get excited about because at one point I happened upon a, a stash of comic books, and it was a whole series of West Coast Avengers, and I loved it. So, are you all familiar at all with West Coast Avengers? No. I know some of it. I mean, Hawkeye went off and started an Avengers team or something along those lines. Well, so that's a piece of it. A big piece of what happens with West Coast Avengers is that, you know, Vision's been killed. Wanda heads west and is distraught when Vision is killed. And what happens when somebody whose innate ability is to alter reality and gets ridiculously over the top upset? She goes crazy. And alters reality in ways that she doesn't even acknowledge. Yeah, didn't she make a kid or something okay. along those lines? Yes. So basically she her grief generates an alternate reality in which she and Vision are married and have children and are, you know, leading the West Coast Avengers. Now, why is this so interesting to me and why is it so compelling to me? Well, several things. Number one, it kind of fits well with this multiverse of madness idea, right? Maybe Doctor Strange's job, I mean, if, if WandaVision starts first, maybe what gets Doctor Strange started is he has to... F- fix the reality that Wanda broke. Um, but the other piece is that West Coast Avengers is one of the most famous crossovers because Johnny Storm leaves the Fantastic Four for a while and Ooh. joins up with the West Coast Avengers. Okay. So it's an opportunity I can, I can get that. for Human Torch to visit. Um, Which Human Torch are we getting? Well, is it Chris Evans again? <laughs> there, that's another good question. Um, but but I just think it's got some really interesting potential, and it's going to be very interesting. That it'll, it'll be the first of the shows that you know they've they've said they're going to be consistent across the shows. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it, right? How they handle the crossover from one division and what's going to happen there with what's going to happen in uh, Multiverse of Madness, because those clearly are going to be intertwined in some way. It's true. Now, here's my question, though. It's going to be a full-fledged horror movie. Anybody concerned about being able to, you know, having now hit an MCU film that they got to leave the kids at home for? We've already hit that a couple of times, I think. Yeah. I, I, I... I think that they've they've upped the ante with with a lot of things that I mean 
there are parents that are afraid to take their kids before they preview it first. Yeah. So I, I think it's just, you know, more of the same, just a little bit more. So. Okay. I think it's all right. Okay. I think, I think the black widow movie would be one. I'd probably end up leaving the kids home for that one. If yeah. that one, I mean, black widow has always been hand to hand combat. So could very well be far more violent, but. Yeah, only time will tell. Let's see what we well, get from the first trailer. And if they bring trailer. in her backstory, that could be some of the the racier of her history. So, oh yeah, get pretty dark. Right. She got red in that ledger. We'll yeah. see why. <laughs> well, so let's let's move on to the the last film that has a solid release date, um, which is maybe the most controversial announcement from San Diego Comic Con, and that is that. Yay, we're getting more Chris Hemsworth as Thor. November 5th, 2021. Thor, Love and Thunder. Hmm. The, the name is horrible. Featuring Natalie Portman as Mighty Thor. So, no Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Well, I mean, they aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. But, I mean, yeah, they kind of are. Because in the comics, she is Thor. So Thor Thor is gone. So how are we going to have two Thors in one movie? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> That's somebody else's uh, job. This is, this is where Thor is off with the Guardians, and we get Asgardians of the Galaxy 3. All right. That's an interesting speculation. That could be. Yeah. He's, he's still the dude. <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be so much going on that James Gunn wants to bring to number three that he's just not going to have room to have Thor in there. Maybe a mention, but with I, I've, the story that he wants to tell with uh, Rocket and then Adam finishing, Warlock. yeah, and, and instead the setting up the Adam Warlock, uh, I just adding in Thor. I think it's just going to be too much. And in the Guardians right. of the Galaxy of movies have been so good and tight knit with just the, the, that group that bringing in Thor just, it, it might add too much, uh, and just make it too bloated, you know, more you like, mean, you mean to tell me you would not want a Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Oh, what? I, I lost his name already. The Chris, the, Pratt? Chris Pratt doing the deep voice, right? Doing the deep voice, the entire movie like this, the no. button heads, who's in charge. No, it would get old, and we got we got that from from the um, we got that in Infinity War, and then we got that right for there. all of two minutes, and that's all it needed. We got the joke; it was funny, and it would get played out for a whole film. So, I think if you mention Thor, you don't even have to have him in there, you know, because it, there's so much other so many other things with the 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 main core group of the characters there for the Guardians that. You don't really like Thor has his own thing going on, and we don't really need to overcomplicate it and add more because I I know what James Gunn wants to bring to the story for number three, and I would really like to see his vision. And I'm so glad that that everything got resolved or that he's coming back because he made that franchise what it is. If it wasn't for him, no one would care about the Guardians of the Galaxy. It wouldn't be as 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 involved as it is, and 
it, it certainly wouldn't be as popular and making the money. So, you know, I'm sure Disney recognized that and realized the fans and the outlash and even from the actors in the film, including Dave Bautista, we all heard about his outcries and bringing James Gunn back and that, you know, um, it's, it has really good potential to, to really have a, be a fantastic trilogy. And, and that could be so hard to do nowadays where the, you know, that third film just kind of falls flat. Um, after such a high point of the first two. So let him do his thing. And if that includes Thor, cool. If it doesn't, I'm not going to be worried about it. Well, and, and let's get back to the fact that we're really here talking about Thor Love and Thunder, right? Let's not get too distracted with with Guardians. I think we know that Chris Hemsworth is going to be in Thor Love and Thunder. How much, how okay. much overlap there is, at what point they, you know, Mighty Thor makes her appearance. We, we don't really know any of that yet. Um, but, you know, I, I think that we should give Natalie Portman a little bit of credit for the fact that, that she has a pretty solid history as a, a, you know, I mean, I don't know if she considers herself a method actress, but she has certainly, you know, gone all in and committed to doing things that she needed to do to, you know, substantially change her appearance for a role. Um, and didn't she end up hospitalized when she was getting ready for black swan? Cause she, you know, lost all that weight. So she'd look, yeah. you know, she ballerina wavish thin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, she'll do, will she bulk up though? Yeah. That's what she said. I, but I don't think she, if I remember if by looking at the pictures, I haven't read the comic cause I'm too old in my mind to read a comic book now. Uh, but <laughs> I haven't seen the mighty Thor comics, but the pictures I've seen, she's pretty th- thin, right? Like she's not bulked up like Thor Thor. Yeah, no, I mean, she's not like huge bulked up, but right. She, I mean, she's not going to be any more, doesn't need to be any more bulked up than, you know, Brie Larson was is. Miss Marvel as Captain Marvel or anything else. She's not like a, a walk-in brick house. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she's buff, but she's not absurd. Right. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I guess on the cover of the digital comic that just came out a few years ago, she looks pretty big. Yeah. Okay. It will be interesting to see what she does, because like I said earlier, she's Queen Amidala to me. Right. And, you know, I, I I don't want to see her as anything else but that in, in action movies like this. I mean, if Chris Pratt can be, you know, the, the dinosaur wrangler and the, the, uh, and Johnny storm and (laughs) yeah. Fine, fine, fine. Like I said earlier, don't put holes in my my theory here. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Yeah, y'all enjoy doing that. Uh, right. I just sent you. I just sent a, into the chat a, a, a Mighty Thor photo. Okay. Uh, well, and I, I'll tell you the truth. As excited as my daughter was for Captain Marvel, she is over the top thrilled about Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, really? Yes, she is so excited for it. Um, the, it's the combination. It's it's the fact that it's um, you know the the that Natalie Portman is going to play that Thor role, 
and that she's going to be in it with Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie, um, which we, has been confirmed that Valkyrie will be back in it. Um, she is just thrilled, excited for it. Okay. It will be interesting to see how how that goes. How it goes. I, I am interested to see how she goes from Jane to the Mighty Thor. Right. Right. Now, are they going to with the title? Are they going to go along the lines of Ragnarok, where it was uh, touted as an action comedy? I, or... I, I expect it's going to have a, a similar sensibility, just because the director is the same. Um, okay. Yeah. And and I mean. I don't think it's any secret. It's been pretty openly said. The Thor franchise was dead until uh, Taika Waititi came in to to direct because most of the cast didn't want to come back. Um, I know. I was reading Chris Helmsworth did not like the first two. Yeah. Yeah. Th- he was pissed after the second one. Um, well, the second one was kind of It was horrible. Yeah, I mean, none that's of them wanted to do another one the... after Dark World, and and I mean, Natalie Portman pretty much refused. I mean, that's why she was barely in uh, Dark World. Hmm. Yeah, that the they had to actually use thrown away scenes for Endgame, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I, like, that yeah. wasn't new scenes. Yeah, I really hope if they bring they're bringing back Jane for for the next Thor, they bring back. Um, Bring back Kat Dennings as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. She was probably the highlight of the intern. Yeah. yeah. She was definitely one of the highlights of the, the first two Thors. So at least she was bringing the comedy, whereas then now they made number three the entire thing a comedy. So, right. you know, it would be nice to, to bring that back. And if, if they're going to bring all the characters, you know, at least bring Jane back, I would assume that you would see Eric Selvig back in there as well as, um, uh, Kat Denning's character. Right. All right. So that that's the, that's all of the movies that we have release dates for. So just a real quick kind of whip around. I'm going to ask each of you, which of those five films with confirmed release dates you're most looking forward to black widow, eternals, Shang Chi, Dr. Strange, Thor, love and thunder. All right. Uh, and Mark, you're up first. Uh, I, I gotta say, Doctor Strange with Black Widow is a close second. Okay. And Dave? Give me Doctor Strange all day. Chris? It's uh, surprising for me because I didn't actually see the first film in theaters, and it took me months before I got to it. But definitely uh, I'm going there for a three for three with Doctor Strange. So I'll be there for it uh, opening day, May 7th, 2020. All right. Well, I will, I will then be the contrarian and say that I'm most excited for Thor Love and Thunder. And looking forward, I, you know, by that point, my daughter is probably going to insist that we go for, a, a, you know, one of the midnight showings. And, uh, you know, for that one, I think I'd probably give in. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we're, we're running kind of long, and we, we did promise to look ahead. So I, I want to do just a real quick look at four more films that ha- we know they've been confirmed, that they're in development, they're coming. We just don't have dates for them. Um, they're being a little more conservative than they were there for a while about announcing dates too far out. So we only got dates through the end of 2021, but we we have four more films that are likely the 2022 and 2023 releases. So um, just to run through them real quickly, surprise announcement, I think for most people at San Diego Comic-Con, 
we're getting a new Blade film with Mahershala Ali as Blade. Um, probably 2022. Black Panther, new Black Panther film. Interestingly, probably also 2022. I guess it's possible it could slip to 2023. Um, Captain Marvel 2 has already been confirmed and it's there somewhere. And Guardians 3, once James Gunn can get done with uh, uh, Suicide Squad. So four more films, probably 2022, 2023. Um, you know, I guess we'll just go around. Each of you can pick one that you want to talk a little bit more about. So, uh, Chris, which one do you want to talk a little more about? Uh, I'm I'm probably the most excited for the Guardians 3, which we'll probably get May of 2022. Um, just to have – just to bring it all complete and finish that whole trilogy. And and one, the, the cool thing is, as long as I'm, that'll guarantee probably be a success. Um, and that has the potential then to move on and become, have new characters um, and just continue the franchise with, with new ones down the line. So kind of like how Avengers is eventually going to, to change out. So it'd be cool to see where it goes from there. Okay. Uh, Mark, how about you? What what of those has you intrigued enough that you want to talk some more about it? Uh, I'm I'm going to see Captain Marvel too. I liked the the new one, the movie overall, and then okay, now here's the spoilers you mentioned, Aaron. <laughs> um, with the ending, the credit scene of Nick Fury in outer space, right at the end of Spider Man. Yep, and the fact that the scrolls were actually Nick and Maria. It throughout the whole Spider-Man movie sounds like it's it's got some great potential, and it'll lay up some. It's just it, it sounds like it'd be a great fun movie. Yep, I agree. And and and, and Guardians, are, yeah, I really want to see Guardians too, just because they're a great franchise right now of all of the ones that are left. Sure. <laughs> How about you, Dave? Is it the ensemble of Guardians that you're more interested in? The the fresh take on Blade or the the next round of, uh, you know, maybe the, the breakout hits of this last round in Black Panther and Captain Marvel that you're most excited and, and wanting to talk more about? It'll be interesting. To, I, I'm excited to talk about Black Panther, too. Uh, I'm interested to see where they go with it. I'm a little shocked that they're waiting this long to do a Black Panther 2. Uh, you'd think as, as successful as the first one was, they would want to do it as quick as they could. Uh, but waiting four, maybe five years to do another one is a little, little long in the, the Disney book to me. Um, I'm interested to see where that storyline goes though. I want to come on. Incredibles two. How long do we have to wait for that though? Damn, yeah, Mark, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. That was, that <laughs> was never, years. that was never supposed to be a sequel and, and, People who loved Incredibles one basically begged and begged and begged and pleaded, and and that's why we got it so late. Well, I'm I'm going to go ahead and speak up briefly for Blade, just because I think it's an underappreciated Marvel character, and uh, especially with you know the the decision to go to a horror film for Doctor Strange in 2021. I, I, I'm wondering whether they'll push Blade to get it out for that sort of you know, Halloween time, fall, uh, 2022 to, you know, tell another 
horror type story, um, you know, in that time frame. Uh, Mahershala Ali is fantastic, and it's big shoes to fill. I mean, you know, Wesley Snipes was a, a pretty signature character there, um, or Blade was a pretty signature character for him. But you know, if anybody could inhabit the role in a way to make you forget the person who had it before, uh, I, I would give Mahershala Ali the chance to do it. Yeah. I, I do hope that this is another one. I hope they go as dark and, and make it kind of campy. Cause I mean, that was mid nineties campy movie with Wesley Snipes. I, I hope that they, this is another one where they don't take themselves too seriously and, and kind of play some, some, odes to that original movie yeah but if they're going down the horror path with like dr strange they got some potential here to build this into the monster squad that blade gets hooked up with with frankenstein the wolf man yeah see and the the, the only thing is is, i wonder there are going to be some issues at some point bumping heads with with universal's characters well, yeah. this might be how Disney gets around saying, all right, Universal, you want your Simpsons land to stay? Give us your dark universe. Right. I mean, I really hope eventually, you know, as we're speculating here, sorry to go off track. No, that's all right. If they can get the Hulk back, it would be great because think about it. They could do a whole bit with the Gray Hulk and yeah. the story of how Bruce and the Hulk became the smart Hulk because the yeah. Gray Hulk came in between there. They could go to the Agents of Smash. I know it was a cheesy cartoon, but they could go down that road with the Red Hulk and all that right. stuff. Hulk is a little more complicated, though, because that one, yeah. there's another little hitch in the middle. <laughs> it's it's There's Universal, and there's another piece there, too, and I forget exactly who it is, but somebody else owns a piece of that. Well, and the damn roller coaster at the amusement park, you know. Well, right. They got to change it if... Yeah, that's that's a whole other issue. Um, okay. So there's a lot of other stuff hanging out there that we didn't even get to. I mean, we've been chatting for an hour and we didn't talk about the fact, (laughs) well, I mean, look, it's just a a sign of how much is out there and and we're, we're probably just going to have to set another time to talk some more, uh, in particular, since we barely touched on the, on the Disney plus stuff. Uh, and there's a lot happening there, but we didn't talk at all really about the likelihood of a fantastic four movie. That's a, a within the MCU Fantastic Four that has been confirmed to be in the works early stages, but you know, probably 2023, 2024 range. Um, and we also got no word at all at Comic-Con about projects that we know exist, right? I mean, we know that there's an Ant-Man 3 project. We know that there's a Spider-Man 3 in the works. We know that there's an Avengers 5 out there somewhere, and we know that at least there was a screenplay written or commissioned for young Avengers. All those things are already in work, you know, and not a word about them yet. And a full slate through at least 2022 and probably through 2024. Chris, was it you that was saying earlier about D23? Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm sure I mentioned okay. it earlier, but uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure that, Whatever we didn't get announced at Comic-Con, we'll hear definitely at the D23 here next month. All right, so and, if you're going to be um, that confident, let's, let's hear the prediction right now from each of us. What? Just give me one prediction of something in this nebulous 
either no release date or no official announcement. Which one are we going to get something definite from at D23, Chris? Oh, uh, <laughs> put them on the pedestal. Let's go. I know, right? Goodness. Um, well, you know, I think with the fact that those rumors we heard about the Spider-Man deal that it needed to make a billion dollars before Sony would allow Disney to make another one, um, we're twenty-five million dollars away worldwide box office on a Spider-Man on the Far From Home from making a billion. So. With that crossing that threshold, I think that we might have some more finite and confident uh, dates or possibilities on that one. Now, obviously, they wait a long time to release a title, and we'll let Tom Holland um, uh, air quotes. <laughs> <leak> <laughs> accidentally tweet it out? Oops. Yes. Yeah, sure. Great, great free viral marketing for them. Um, I really think that that's going to be their biggest thing because, I mean, this is going to be the first Spider-Man movie to cross a billion dollars, and the the impl- oh, the way they left that film on the end was one of wow. the, probably the best in credit scenes uh, in all of the MCU. Okay, so so Chris, you got you went off on a high note. Let's 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 give some more news and see what we find out. All right, so Chris is convinced we're going to get something definite about Spider Man three. Uh, Mark, what do you think we're going to get from D twenty three? I think they're going to they may surprise everybody and push for the fantastic four because there's a lot of fervor about, are they going to do it? They've got it. Let's bring it out. So they, they may try to peak everybody and, and, you know, give everybody a taste. Okay. Try to drum up some, uh, excitement. Okay. So maybe an, a, a, a more definite fantastic four announcement, Dave, what do you think? I think we're going to get Ant-Man three. Uh, I think that everyone, sees Ant-Man as the guy that pretty much saved Endgame and and he was the one that helped bring up all the the end to the the Avengers theme. Uh, I I think that Ant, they're going to build on Ant-Man's popularity now and we'll see Ant-Man 3 here. Okay, so here I'm going to throw this out. This is deep geek ter- territory, but um it, it's worth mentioning that um you know, along those lines um, everybody familiar with with who in the comics are are involved in Young Avengers? No. Okay. Well, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. So one of the characters that gets involved with Young Avengers is um, is Cassie, the daughter, mm. right? Ant Man's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who in is in one of the Young Avengers, but is not actually his daughter. Because she's a scroll. Oh my goodness. Oh, now there's a twist. Which plays right into (laughs) because she's the she's actually a super scroll, right? She's the scroll Cree crossbreed. Yeah. Well that 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 lays up the Fantastic Four too, because there's a big scroll thing in there too. Yeah. Right. Now that they've got the scrolls, but see, unfortunately, Fantastic Four would twist the way they, they laid out the scrolls in Captain Marvel. Well, they, they, Captain look, they're, Marvel, they're, they're, they're clearly they're decided they're going to alter those relationships, and and you know they kind of had to just for narrative reasons along the way. But but it, it's interesting that Dave mentions you know Ant Man three at this point, just because that's sort of the role Ant Man has played all along. He's kind of this minor character who each Ant Man film has served as sort of the connective tissue for the bigger story, right? It it 
right. kind of is the the you know it's the Ant Man is the round tinker toy, right? Yeah, <laughs> that has the, the <laughs> points to connect to it all around. Yeah, it's not it's not really the one that everyone wants to use, but it's the one everyone has to use. Exactly. Uh, so I, I think that's an interesting bit of speculation there. Um, I, I actually think that that we're going to get something Young Avengers out of D23. Uh, it'll be down the road. It'll be preliminary. But I think we might actually get maybe some, you know, character sketch kind of things or just to give people a flavor for it. Because I think that they need to do something since since – this whole next series of films are essentially solo character films um, with the exception of guardians, but are essentially solo character films. I think they need to do something to remind people about, you know, yeah, we haven't forgotten about the ensemble. Um, but that's just my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could say that happened. Um, all right. So, so guys, we'll get together again soon so we can chat some more about, you know, news that comes out of D23 and, and especially about Disney plus, but, uh, thanks so much for, for sharing all your thoughts here. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun getting everybody together again and, and recording. I love hearing from all these voices. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners as well. You can email us at podcast at disdads.com. Visit our website, disdads.com and leave comments there. Tweet us at disdads podcast on Twitter or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disdadspodcast. We've even got a new Facebook group there for you to chat about the show, suggest topics, and, hey, even maybe volunteer to uh, take a turn behind a microphone in the comfort of your own home and uh, share your thoughts. And while we're talking about it, if you've got an extra minute, you know, being away for a year, we kind of dropped from the radar a little bit. So if you could uh, leave a review of the show, wherever it is you're listening to podcasts, whether it's uh, uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Stitcher Radio or Google Play, any of those, um, we really appreciate it because those reviews make it easier for other folks to find us and uh, get in on the fun as well. So uh, until next time, uh, I've been Aaron Rittmaster with Chris Papchek. It's great to be back, Aaron with Mark Wysocki, who held up well as the newbie. Yeah, it was great. This was kind of fun. And uh, speaking of rebooting podcasts, we were <laughs> we were uh, joined here by Dave Adams, who's uh, rebooting a podcast of his own, right? Where else can they find you, Dave? Yeah, so I am rebooting what used to be called Sideline Warning, uh, going to be called Unrelated at Birth. It's going to be a show where we talk about pretty much everything. Uh, me and a buddy of mine who everyone said we were separated at birth uh, are going to do uh, a show about everything. And you're going to hear another voice on that show quite a bit. Chris Papchek is going to be uh, a guy that checks in with that show a lot. So uh, you might hear some other Diz Dads on that show as well. Awesome. So check us out. iTunes, Google, we're going to get on Stitcher, we're going to get on Spotify, iHeartRadio, all that. Like like you said about Diz Dads, uh, please, please, please. Give us a subscribe, give us a listen, and please give us some comments because we want to uh, to reach out to a lot of people and and make sure that that you're hearing some cool content on on uh, podcasts. Awesome. 
All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. Uh, our outro music is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLeod. Kevin makes his music available under the Creative Commons license by attribution on his website, incompetech.com. So, uh, hey, Kevin, here's your attribution. Thanks for the song. Nice job, guys. Yeah, I'm going to try. Me get excited? That never happens.